Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter on episode 74. So, on this week's episode, it's, it's probably going to be a short one, let's be real here, because we're only talking about college basketball, the NFL, and of course, our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules, and write that down, predictions, but I mean, that's it, because there isn't a whole lot of sports going on at the moment. But what there is a whole lot of going on at the moment is transfers out of the cycle of the men's basketball program. Holy transfers, Batman. Three of them. Was it just three of them? Yeah, it was just three of them in the last week, at least, plus the two freshmen that transferred at the beginning of the season. Yeah. That, so, right, I did the math here. Oh, so the three players that transferred, for those of you who don't know, um, not surprisingly, Terrence Lewis has uh, decided to transfer. Kyle has been predicting that since the end of last season. Oh, but, uh, they, it Terrence was Lewis like middle of last season I had started predicting that one. Uh-huh. Um, in one that was a slight surprise, but not totally surprised, uh, Zion Griffin has decided to transfer. He never really got uh, he never really got much playing time at Iowa State, even with all the injuries late in the year. He still wasn't playing a ton, and even when he was, he wasn't very effective. That's just a case of a guy who had a lot of talent coming out of high school, who for one reason or another just wasn't able to stick in his in his major college conference program i don't know if he'll find another opportunity at a major conference school or if he'll end up at a mid-major but his time at iowa state is done presumably i guess he technically hasn't gone anywhere else the all these players are just in the transfer portal but it's very rare that you pull yourself out of the transfer portal so presume they're gone and then the one that was a big surprise to me was freshman point guard caleb grill uh, transferring out of the program. That one was a very big surprise to me. He never, I mean, he didn't get a ton of playing time this year, but remember your point guard was a, someone who's probably going to be a top-ten draft pick in uh, Terry's Halliburton for most of the year until he got hurt. So, I mean, what did he expect coming into this year? That's the one that really just doesn't make sense to me. And Caleb Grill, I, mean, I thought, could be a good player on this team going and forward. And I thought, I thought, like, okay, do you remember... Uh, that guy from Oklahoma State, that little short white guy who is the sharpshooter. I'm blanking on his last name right now. Vaguely, but no, I don't remember his name. I forget his name. It'll probably come to me. But that's Why who I, Google Oklahoma State short white shooter and see what comes up? He, he graduated, I think, either last year or two years ago. But... He was absolute, like, in my mind, Caleb Girl was going to be this player for um, for Iowa State. Just and, a sharpshooter? What? Just a sharpshooter? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't really think he was going to be our starting point guard of the future, especially with Trey Jackson had more point guard experience. Caleb Grill in high school was more of a combo guard he had to handle the ball when necessary, but he was a spot-up shooter. He was more of a shooting guard, and that's what I envisioned him for this team. That's why I thought his transfer was so surprising because I saw him either as a the first person off the bench for the next two, three seasons um, for Iowa State as that shooter, more of like what Matt Thomas had to offer early on in his career with Iowa State until he became a 
uh, perennial starter in his junior and senior season, but more of that ability to hit the big shot when necessary. Um, he obviously struggled mightily um, and never really got the real feel of the game uh, as Caleb, like Caleb Grill throughout the season. I think that all three of these transfers are going to end up at mid-majors. Um, I don't think all, like any of the three of them have the necess- necessarily the raw talent to be to really go to another like power conference and expect to get significant minutes unless they're going to the likes of like Nebraska or um, some other team that's kind of on the lower side of their respective conferences. So that'll be something to watch, but definitely uh, very, very surprising. I could see Terrence Lewis ending up at a major program just because he's presumably he's going to be a graduate transfer. I guess I don't know that for a fact, but he's a junior. So I presume he's going to be a graduate transfer. Has he already redshirted? Oh, where'd he go? I don't think he's redshirted. But, I mean, he was a four-star prospect coming in. No, he had not redshirted yet. Which stars don't mean anything when it comes down to it, unless you're talking about the top players in the country when they're recruited. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, uh, yeah, the Caleb Grill one still was that was that was that was very surprising for me so i am going to bring you all a a look into 11 potential cyclone transfer targets uh this is coming from the hold on let's first talk about the fact that we're looking at transfer targets oh because well yeah we only have well if you don't count incoming freshmen we only got five scholarship players on the roster for next year, right? So next year's scholarship players are going to be Solomon Young, um, Javen Johnson, who redshirted this last year, was a transfer coming in. He red. Oh, right. He was a transfer coming year. in. That, yes. That rings the bell now. Right. And he, read, he redshirted this previous season, and he'll be a scholarship player on the roster. What's his, what's his position? He's a small forward. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. So, um... And then Rashir Bolton and George Condit. Uh, this is presuming Halliburton goes pro, so he won't be on the list. And then Trey Jackson are going to be the only five scholarship players on the roster. Now, granted, we already have four um, commits that are uh, coming in for sure, so that brings us up to nine scholarships. But what? That means we can still sign what, three. Like three more scholarship players, 12 yep. total scholarships. So we're still looking at finding three more players, Iowa State is here. So... It is definitely it is definitely a war of attrition right now for the Cyclones and not not the way that you kind of think of you think of attrition coming via injuries but now we're just losing bodies in general which isn't great but since we've, most we've got of lots the, of depth in the post but that's about yeah, it the post is going to be fantastic but with uh, Solomon Young George Condit and Oscar Lucy's own safety faster yeah. The post is going to be great, um, but that's why the Cyclones are going to have to look towards uh, the transfer market now since many of the uh, uh, high school players from the 2020 recruiting class have already committed uh, to universities or signed with certain programs. Uh, they're, 
there might be some other uh, potential signings still available. Uh, but right now, the Cyclones are going to have to look to the transfer market, presumably. Um, and according to uh, Matthew Bain, a uh, writer for the Des Moines Register, he has identified 11 potential uh, Cyclone transfer targets to keep an eye on um, during this recruiting cycle uh, as Steve Prohm needs to try and fill the roster with more bodies. First is Darius Perry, uh, a point guard from Louisville. He would be a grad transfer, um, and he was kind of playing a backup role for a very good Louisville this Louisville team this season. Um, a bunch of other programs are obviously looking at him since he comes came from uh, Louisville this year. Jordan Burner, a power forward from Yale who is 6'9", would add incredible depth and height uh, to that already uh, – they're just bolstering that uh, backcourt or front court rather uh, for the Cyclones. Um, but Iowa State is competing with the likes of Duke, Kansas, Florida State, and Baylor for this prospect. Uh, so that might be some tough sledding there. Taji Eddy, I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, but he is a uh, point guard from Harvard. Uh, and um, he is he has he is down to final five uh, his final five schools of Iowa State UConn USC Georgia Tech and Wichita State or excuse me he's not from Harvard he's from Santa Clara uh, the next person is from Harvard Bryce Aiken a point guard uh, from Harvard he is one of the top graduate transfer point guards uh, on the market right now he had an injury uh, that ended his season early. Uh, but Iowa State is competing with Maryland, Marquette, Seton Hall, Michigan, Kansas, and Gonzaga. So he's gaining a lot of interest from top programs. Uh, Brendan Berry, a point guard from Dartmouth, uh, just rolling with the Ivy League train right now. Uh, and he is getting a lot of interest from some teams out east, including DePaul, Pitt, and, as well as Michigan. Um and then we, those are all play immediately players. So they can transfer and play right away this upcoming season. Uh, the remaining list is sit out transfers, uh, highlighted by Jamarius Burton, who is a shooting guard from Wichita State. Uh, he's getting a lot of interest from Xavier, Arizona, North Carolina State, and West Virginia, as well as DJ Carton, uh, the point guard from Ohio State, who surprisingly left. Um, Ohio State this year, he would be a sit one play three. So that would be a big get for the Cyclones if he was able to come uh, and play for Steve Prohm. Uh, and then now we get into junior college transfers. Uh, so looking at some more height, Russell Harrison, a small forward out of Carlinden College uh, in Lubbock, Texas. He would be six, he's listed at six seven, adding more height. Keon Ellis, shooting guard from Florida Southwestern, uh, gaining interest from Kansas as well as K-State. Justice Hill, a point guard from Salt Lake Community College. And Ray Quandis Mitchell, interesting spelling, a combo guard from Ottero Junior College. Uh, so a lot of the similarities between all of these players is a lot of targets 
in the front court, which is where the Cyclones are, are presumably going to need the most help, since in the 2020 recruiting class, they only have one point guard listed uh, coming in. So those are some names to keep keep your eye on in the coming weeks and coming months. Obviously, things might be a little bit hard with visits uh, right now as a lot of travel is being restricted. So that might be interesting to see how this all plays out in the future. Yeah, I think, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you got to find three more players that can play this year, right? Otherwise, you're just going to be understaffed. You're going to be playing walk-ons. It's this. Next year could be rough, despite Xavier Foster being here. Xavier Foster is going to have to be everything he's cracked up to be, or this could be a well, very, very long year. And the the thing the thing that you can look around and just and just notice is it's hard to win with freshmen and sophomores unless you're the likes of uh, Kentucky, Duke, the those those big teams that get like five or six of the top 30 players or top 50, top 70 players in the country each recruiting cycle and then just turn or turn or turn around and do it all again. Like it's hard to win with a roster loaded with freshmen and sophomores. Yeah. I mean, can we play three bigs next year? Like can Solomon Young, George Condit and Xavier Foster all be on the court at the same time next year? I mean, as I long say, as yes. they all might be a th- trouble, that'd be hard might- to, defend because those might be our three best players next year let's be honest Oh, for sure so especially with especially with solomon young's resurgence at the end of this season right if solomon young plays like he did at the end of this year and george condit plays like he did at the beginning of this year and xavier foster is what he's cracked up to be that could be an incredible threesome on the court because xavier foster likes to shoot the three so the potential lineup might be Trey Jackson, Rajir Bolton, Xavier Foster at the three as a 6'11", seven-foot. You can't play him at the three. You'd play Condit three. at the three. You No, you don't play Condit at the three. Or, Xavier uh, Foster can move better than Condit. You put Condit at the five and Solomon at the four. That would be wild. I would but love then, to see them go three But then who do you year. bring off they the won't. bench? <laughs> I mean, true, you have no big off the bench that way. You probably go with Foster and then switch out one of Solomon and Condit and only have one of them think, on the floor I at the same time. I think you start Solomon and Foster to start the season. Probably, yeah, I think so. You got to play your best players, so. Yeah, we'll see. It'll be, I'll, it'll be, in, plus Halliburton hasn't said for sure he's going pro yet. So this he, team could actually be good if Halliburton comes back. Oh. He should go pro. This, this team would be. This team can go from awful to legit Big Twelve title contender with, based on this Halliburton decision. So. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton should be making his decision according to his family uh, at some point this week. Uh, so Cyclone Nation can hold their breath in anticipation for that. So there's been a lot of talk about players moving around and like transfer portal and everything. Should we just keep that, keep that train on moving and talk about some NFL free agency? Do it. It, I guess I'm just going to continue talking because this is. Do it. This is your cup of tea. I'll fill, I'll fill in, I'll fill in as I see fit, but this is your, your cup of tea. 
If you have been uh, following the 8311 cast on Instagram, which all of you should, uh, I have been posting frivol- or frivolously. What's that? Is that the right word? Is that the right I term? I, I mean, frivolously. If, if, You're right. But if you think the yeah. posts were stupid and useless, then they're frivolous. But I don't think that's what you were insinuating. <laughs> that wasn't what I was insinuating. I don't think Never that's mind. what you were trying to say. This is what this is what happens when I try and use big words. It just comes back to bite me. Why use big word when small word will do? Uh, nice. Yeah. So the the biggest news coming out of this week uh, in a lot of people's minds was Tom Brady retires to Florida. Well. He's actually playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He should have just retired to Florida. Uh, but his contract was two years, $50 million, um, And he joins the likes of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. He has a major, uh, major upgrade at wide receiver with this team. They're very sketchy at running back. Um, their defense is a, uh, a sleeper defense in the NFC South. Uh, they're pretty good all around. It's just they had last year it was hard to win when they had Jameis Winston throwing uh, 20 touchdowns as well. That's what it felt like to other teams throughout the season. So their defense was always on the field. But uh, the NFC South is going to be stacked this year as we continue just down the pipeline Drew Brees is back in the Big Easy, uh, and Brady and Brees will now match up twice uh, in the coming season, if not maybe a third time in the playoffs, depending on how good each team is. Uh, but Drew Brees also gets two years, $50 million. That's the going rate for the uh, elderly geriatric quarterbacks in the league now, it looks like. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater uh, signed with Carolina. Uh, so he moves, he stays in the NFC South, but moves a little North to a presumably bad Carolina Panthers team. He gets, uh, three years, 63 million, um, is what they pay him. The Carolina Panthers obviously, uh, wanted to bring in or are bringing in some, uh, dual threat ability with, as they signed the first XFL player to the NFL, uh, the star Houston Roughnecks quarterback, P.J. Walker, uh, signed, I believe it was either uh, Monday, March uh, 23rd or Sunday, March 22nd. One of those days, uh, he signed with Carolina uh, to back up uh, Teddy Bridgewater, we would all presume. Uh, and then the NFC South wasn't done yet as Todd Gurley, the L.A. Rams decided, yeah, they decided to fire him on his day off. Uh, so, but he immediately signed with the Atlanta Falcons. He gets one year, six million, which is a bargain for the Falcons after dumping Devontae Freeman. Uh, and the NFC offenses are going to be fire this year. The That's NFC, the NFC South offenses or NFC South offenses are going to be fire let, this year. Let's let, let's do a skill position check of the NFC South offenses here all right new orleans quarterbacks quarterback drew Brees. uh yeah quarterbacks across the nfc south drew Brees in new orleans matt ryan in atlanta tom brady in tampa and teddy bridgewater in carolina three of those three of those quarterbacks are probably going to be hall of famers 
Eh, I'm not so sure about Matt Ryan. But maybe Drew Brees when the Tom Brady for sure. Lead. Yeah, Drew Brees and Tom Brady are first ballot Hall of Famers. Um, running backs: Alvin Kamara, Todd Gurley. Like you said, Tampa Bay's running they back got, situation. They got Ronald Jones, yeah, Jones. A couple of. They got a running back by the last name of Uruguay. Ur- whatever it is. They've got. And then of course they need some help there. And then of course Christian McCaffrey in Carolina. Look at your top wide re- number one wide receivers. You got Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas, Julio Jones in Atlanta. Uh, what's his face in Tampa? Mike Evans. Mike Evans. Thank you. And then, and then your secondary then got- receivers are Chris Godwin, uh, and then you can throw Calvin Ridley in there. Uh, Calvin Ridley had a breakout season with Atlanta this year, and then, and then now Emmanuel Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders, as I was going to get to later, is in New Orleans. So. Yep. And and don't forget that you still have probably the best running back in the division in Carolina and Christian McCaffrey. Who is the best the best wide receiver? Who's the best wide receiver for Carolina? Yeah. So that those divisions offenses are gonna be fun. And then and then you can even get into uh tight ends. Jared Cook last year was fantastic for New Orleans, and then Hayden Hurst was traded to the Atlanta Falcons, uh, and he was a former first round pick as and then you also have OJ is it O.J. Howard or Howard, uh, who's the tight end in uh, Tampa Bay, who is a former first-round pick out of Alabama as well. So it is a loaded, loaded division. Uh, lots of firepower, lots of star power there uh, in the NFC South. Uh, moving on in NFL free agency, Melvin Gordon signed with the Denver Broncos. Um, he gets two years, 16 million. Uh, for me, this one was already super confusing, uh, when they have Devonte Booker as well as, uh, I'm blanking on the kid from Colorado right now. Uh, oh crap. This is who you talked about. Uh, Lindsay, Philip Lindsay, who is a breakout in the undrafted, uh, uh, player out of Colorado who broke out in his rookie season lat or two years ago, but Melvin Gordon decides to stay in division, uh, moves from one AFC West team to another, and that one it, it still is very interesting to me. I felt like the Broncos needed more help at wide receiver rather than running back, especially when their offensive line is pretty bad. Uh, in the wide receiver market making Mike look silly with his write-that-down prediction. Stefan Diggs was traded to the Buffalo Bills. And I got to write that down prediction wrong before the episode even got posted. Like, I that how do fantastic. I do that? Like, that literally, we record the episode, and three hours later, I'm getting ready for bed, and I'm like, ah, oh, shoot, Stefan Diggs got traded. I lose. Those are were my sure exact that's the word words. you used, or did you those, use a different word? No, those were my exact words. Okay. But Minnesota got a big haul in return uh, for Diggs. They get a first, fifth, and sixth in the 2020 draft, and then they get a 2021 fourth-round uh, pick as well. Uh, so I guess they at least got a better return. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's— it's all going to depend on how you draft with those picks, right? Whether it's a good exactly. trade. I mean, you say you Diggs had a team-friendly deal for his talent level, but the Vikings still needed cap space. Plus, Diggs didn't really want to be here in Minnesota. So, I mean, 
the the how good this trade is um, is all going to depend on how well they use those draft picks. So how good how especially that first round pick this year that's a big one that has to be a good especially when you get because be they still have their own first round pick from this year right yeah Vikings will have picks two two picks in the mid twenties in the first round yeah. here this year now. Which, yeah. which can be very good, or they can turn those picks into maybe something a little bit more, too. All depends on strategy and what the Vikings want to do to fill some holes that they need. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, stick, just going to continue sticking in the wide receiver market. Amari Cooper gets paid millions and millions of dollars to stay in Dallas. Uh, Dallas is just racking up the the money going out to their few star star players. Uh, he gets five years, a hundred million um, to be a cowboy uh, sticking in Texas, Houston downgrades from Deandre Hopkins to Randall Cobb. Uh, they give him three years, 27 million. Uh, Randall Cobb was kind of lost last year in Dallas, but uh, we'll see how that works out for Houston. As alluded to earlier, Emmanuel Sanders did sign uh, with New Orleans uh, to play with Drew Brees and Michael Thomas. Uh, he gets two years, $16 million on that deal. Darius Slate, which has been one of the uh, like ongoing um, rumors that he was going to get traded. It happened during the season. Uh, it was kn- be known to everybody that he wanted out of Detroit. Uh, he was finally traded from Detroit to Philly, um, and then he got a contract extension to make him one of the highest-paid cornerbacks in the league. Uh, but there are rumors coming out of this surrounding Matt Patricia and Darius Slay. Uh, in an article uh, by um, Nate Scott, according to him, the Pro Bowl cornerback Darius Slay was not shy about publicly making trade demands uh, during the season and slamming Matt Patricia right after he was uh, traded. Um, there's, there is, Mike, is this news or noise? Like, is Matt Patricia a head coach that's trying to uh, just motivate? by saying that players are bad and Slay quoted Matt Patricia said that Darius Slay was not an elite cornerback. He was not in the same category as Richard Sherman, uh, despite He's coming not. off an eight, eight interception season and a pro bowl nod. Is this news or is it noise? I mean, I don't think Matt Patricia is a good coach. But I've, every team has disgruntled players every once in a while. So the fact that he has a disgruntled player doesn't mean he's a bad coach. I mean, is Bill Belichick a bad coach because Tom Brady got upset at him? Is no. Mike Zimmer a bad coach because Stefan Diggs got upset at him? Is exactly. Pete Carroll a bad coach because Richard Sherman and Earl Thomas got upset at him? I mean, I don't think he's a good coach, but I don't think the fact that Darius Slayer is upset at him means he's not a good coach. Yeah. That's what I think. It. In my opinion, it's just a bunch of noise by a disgruntled former employee. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, if there's lots of players that are saying the same thing, maybe there's something to it. But I mean, I haven't heard anybody else flat out saying he's bad. So, I mean, yeah, we'll see. I don't think he's good, but we'll see. They'll probably fire him after this year when they're bad again, like they're bad every year because they're the Lions. So, 
Yeah, honestly, honestly, if the NFL was ever going to expand, they might as well just move the Detroit Lions out in hopes that it's Detroit that just makes them suck. But I mean, if you're going to expand, you're not moving any teams. Or by not expand, well, expand market and move a team. Expand yeah. market base and move a but team. But Detroit's not going anywhere. They've been around forever. No NFL team is going anywhere. But there has been a lot of players who have been moving around. And the biggest movers so far in free agency, uh, one of them is the Buffalo Bills, who have made trades as well as signing a lot or a few key pieces um, to their team. The Dolphins, uh, who had a ton of cap space coming into the offseason, have made some big moves in signing former linebacker Kyle Van Noy from the Patriots to a big contract as well as former Dallas Cowboys cornerback uh, Byron Jones got paid fat stacks of cash to move to South Beach um, and the the Dolphins are trying to make some moves hope or there and maybe with drafting a quarterback this uh, year in the NFL draft they can be one of the uh, much improved teams in the NFL as well as the Las Vegas Raiders keep signing players especially tight ends they now have like seven tight ends currently on their roster uh that they've signed and are bringing into camp so those those are your biggest movers in free agency some of the some of the teams who haven't done much moving include the kansas city chiefs and the minnesota vikings have lost quite a few players uh, this year in free agency, including Linval Joseph, Stefan Dig- well, Stefan Diggs wasn't a free agent, um, and a couple of uh, defensive pieces, Trey Wayne, Sandejo, who else? Xavier uh, Rhodes got caught, Mike, yeah. Yeah, not Mike Hughes, um, Kenzie Alexander, Emerson Griffin. Vikings defense is going to look very, very different next year. That's the moral of the story. We'll see how good Mike Zimmer is at coaching defense because his defense is going to have a lot of turnover. So Mike Zimmer coached the defense good. The Vikings, yeah, need a corner. They need to use one of those first-round picks on a corner probably. They only have two corners on the roster right now. So. Yikes. And one of them's probably going to get suspended for – four games because he's Holton Hill and he's going to get suspended because he always gets suspended. So. Well, what, what, what does he get suspended for? Is it, is it marijuana? Uh, that and he, he got, he had two drug suspensions on top of one another last year, one for marijuana and one for PEDs for wow. eight total games. They stacked well, this year, this other. year, maybe he'll just get suspended for the PEDs because he won't be suspended for the marijuana. True, under the new CBA, he can't be. So, yeah. All right, well, my throat is now sufficiently dry from talking for most of this podcast. Mike, do I'm, you want to fill us in on some stupid rules? Yes, I will now go talk for pretty much the rest of the podcast. I am going to fill you in on a stupid rule, and today's stupid rule is, did you know that a Major League Empire can eject the mascot. Yes, the umpire can eject the mascot for either teams. This has only happened... You literally did not allow the listeners any time to answer you. 
what are they? What am I supposed to do? Just sit there in silence? Well, they no, I'm not going to sit there in silence. Yes, this has happened one time, one time in 1989. Um, let's see. Yes, 1989. Yuppie, the mascot for the Montreal Expos, got ejected in the extra innings of a game between the Expos and the Dodgers. Um, when uh, the Dodgers manager at the time, uh, Lasorda, got upset because he was loudly taking a nap on top of the Dodgers' dugout. And that apparently made uh, made Tom Lasorda very upset. So he got out of the dugout and started yelling at the mascot on top of the dugout, which, okay. But then he started yelling at the umpire, like, get him out of here, get him out of here. So the umpire just turned and just ejected the mascot. So, yes, mascots can get ejected. MLB umpires do have the authority to eject mascots, fans, etc., who are, in their opinion, to be interfering with the game that is being played on the field. And apparently by making loud noise on top of the Dodgers dugout, the umpire thought that was grounds for ejection of the mascot. So yes, mascots can get ejected. But really, it's only happened that one time, and really it's only because Lasorda hates mascots. He once like got in a fist fight with the Philly Fanatic, too. The Philly Fanatic had like a, like a stuffed doll <laughs> of Lasorda, and was I don't know what he was doing with it, but literally Lasorda ran out onto the field and like tackled the Philly Fanatic and grabbed the doll, like life-size doll, and like hit the Philly Fanatic on the head with it. So oh. he really did not like mascots. So that's really why the mascot got ejected, but yes. I mean, in Tommy Lasorda's defense, you'd be, so he was jumping up and down on the dugout, right? But those dugouts had tin roofs on them. Mm-hmm. And he was slamming stuff on the roof the entire game. This is a 22 inning game. I mean, I get a little pissy too. But it was in the 11th inning when he got tossed. Yep. But also, fun fact about Yuppie: he was, was the first MLB mascot to get ejected. He was also the first North American mascot to switch between two professional sports leagues. When the Astros left for DC, instead of uh, going with the Astros, he uh, just changed leagues and it uh, became the mascot of the Montreal Canadiens. So, there's the other fun fact about UPV mascot. But thanks to Wyatt for giving me that rule. I was going to talk about soccer. That's how desperate in these sports times until Wyatt gave that to me. So, thank you, Wyatt. Appreciate that. Desperate times call for desperate measures, and sometimes Yubi can fill those holes in your heart. Aww. However, we need to unfill, aka cross off, some things from our write that down prediction list. Um, so yeah, you can do that. That was that was your that was your little intro there. Yeah, Bam. I will I will do that. So we have we had five predictions that came off the board under regular circumstances. So I'm going to start with those. And then after I do those, we're going to talk about what we're going to do with all the predictions that we'll just never know about because of all the cancellations. So first, um, the five predictions come off the board. The first one was from Wyatt. He predicted that there would be a one-point safety in some level of football at some point this season. With the XFL officially getting canceled, that can't happen anymore. So for that, we will give Wyatt a nah, nah. Um Kyle predicted that Tom Brady would not sign with the Patriots since he signed with the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers are not the Patriots, so Kyle gets a 
Ding 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 ding. ding, ding. Kyle also predicted, sticking with the quarterbacks, that the Chicago Bears would sign Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, They did not. As you heard earlier, he is going to the Panthers. So for that, he gets a nah. Um, Wyatt predicted that the XFL would run a complete season. Okay, this is crap. Like, I know you were predicting it. Basically, you were saying they wouldn't fold under financial problems in the first season. But we discussed this, and they didn't run a complete season because it got canceled because of the the coronavirus. So technically, that's wrong, and we're not gonna we're not gonna take it. We're not gonna use our special coronavirus powers on it. Nope. So it's just gonna it's just gonna be wrong. So nah, nah, Man, that's crap. I can't believe that. And our last prediction to come off the board, uh, as we alluded to earlier, I'm bad and had a prediction that was wrong before the episode even aired when I predicted that the Vikings would not trade Stefan Diggs before the start of the regular season, which they did last Monday night. So, nah. 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 Okay. And so here's what we decided to do with all of the uh, coronavirus, all the predictions that the coronavirus has made unable to happen. So basically what we decided to do with all those predictions is that we're just going to act as if they were never made. They won't count as wrong or right for anybody. We decided that was the only fair way to do it because doing it any other way would penalize probably mostly me more than anybody else because you're going to hear that I had the most of them that got scratched because of it. I'm just going to run down all of them just real quick, just in rapid fire order here just so you all know, so you're not looking for them to come off the board later. Kyle only had one, uh, and that was that the ISU women would, would would win one game in the Big 12 tournament off the board. I had quite a few, as I alluded to earlier. I had Minnesota will make the NCAA tournament. 11 Big 10 teams will make the NCAA tournament. None of Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, or North Carolina would make the Final Four. I had the one at-large NCAA tournament team will finish at least 10 spots in the net below a team that does not make the tournament. I had the Twins would be in first place in the division at the end of first semester, or at the end of the semester. And I had that Minnesota would win three or more games in the Big Ten tournament. All off the board. Um, Wyatt had three, um, that the Battlehawks would win the XFL championship that Dallas would win the XFL West, and that KU would not make the Final Four. And Josh had one, that the Badgers would win the Big Ten Tournament. All of those predictions are just striked off the board. No no good, no bad for anybody. Just off the board as if they were never made. Might I say that they were struck from the board? Nope, they were stricken from the board. They were stricken from the board. The board was stricken of the predictions. Striked? Mike, you you originally say striked. Striked is the word, too. So in lieu of those uh, ones that were struck, stricken, or stroked, not stroked, (laughs) 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 that were struck off the board, we probably should put some some new ones up on the board. Kyle, you want to get us started? (laughs) After that blunder. So we are... uh, we have kind of decided since there is literally nothing that we can make predictions on right now that we're just going to move on to making predictions for the the next write that down season. Uh, so I'm going to kick it off with some NFL saying that a team other 
then the New England Patriots will win the AFC East next season. This will be the first instance that this has happened in over a decade. I mean, uh, this seems, you know, not not outlandish. I mean, who's the Patriots quarterback right now? Uh, they just signed Brian Hoyer again. Uh, they have Jarrett Stidham, but they always have the – they've been rumored in uh, talks with Cam Newton – uh, potentially Jameis Winston, so that they can have touchdowns thrown to the other team, uh, and um, a couple other free agent quarterbacks still left on the market, as well as the ability to uh, draft a quarterback this year. I think the Patriots going to be an extremely mediocre team this year. I think. I don't double. think they're. Yeah. 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 I was. I, I was getting there. Yeah, yeah I'm think, totally fine with that. I think I was double is correct. But I agree that I, I would not be surprised if that happens. But just because there's so many unknowns, I think you have to give them a top ball as opposed the, to a single. Because so. you just look yep. at the division. You have to say, well, the Bills are going to be good. Yep. Nobody knows how the, the Jets Bills. are going to be. And then the Dolphins the might be, be a wild card. So, But they're the Dolphins, so they'll still yeah. be bad. Well, and then the Jets are the Jets, so they'll probably just be as bad anyway. And the Bills are the Bills. Yeah. How did that division get three of the most inept franchises in football? Like, if you list the five most New inept England, franchises in football. New England probably rigged it. Of, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> New England rigged it. Granted, I know that the Bills, you know, went to four straight Super Bowls at one point, but they lost them all, and Miami was really good with Dan Marino at one point, and the Jets even won a Super Bowl. But, I mean, at least in recent memory, all three of those franchises have been in disarray. So. At least at least in the past decade when the Patriots have won it from, for 10 straight seasons. So. Yeah. The Jets did have a one, uh, one good year in there with Mike Sanchez, right? Or was that more than 10 years ago now, even? Ah, uh, the human butt fumble? No, Mark Sanchez didn't come into the league more than 10 years ago. Yeah, but the, the Jets definitely had like a run to the AFC Championship game in there at one point, I remember. I'm going to fact-check you. I don't remember that. The Jets made it to the It's Yeah, it was definitely like Mark Sanchez's first or second season, I, I think. Anyway, well, I'll make my prediction while you're looking that up. I am going to predict that in that really good NFC South, that there are three teams that are going to make the playoffs from that NFC South. Three teams. <laughs> can you name those three teams? Because I can name those three teams. I think it's going to happen. Which which one are you going to say is not? I'm not confident to say any of them aren't going to make the playoffs. Um, I mean, I'm confident to say the Saints are. Yeah. But outside of that, I bet Tampa Bay is going to be pretty good. I mean, I, I, maybe not. Maybe Tom Brady breaks if, his leg or something. If you made me predict the three, this is not part of my write-that-down prediction, but if you made me predict the three, I would say it would be New Orleans, Atlanta, and uh, Tampa. That's, that is that's not exactly what I would also predict that's because exactly, Carolina yep. has gone through attrition on their defense this but, offseason. Yep. It depends on how Matt Ryan plays and how Teddy Bridgewater plays, right? I could see it being Atlanta or Carolina as that third team. So, that's and fair. maybe anyway. Todd Gurley just takes over in Atlanta. Yeah, that's true. But anyway, three NFC South teams making the playoffs is my prediction. What do you guys give me? Um, that's a that's actually that's a good question. I don't know what to now, do. either a single or a double. I don't so know which. now what? that now that what? There are, it could not be a no, no, single. No, no. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Wyatt is being dumb here. Uh, part of that 
Now that gotcha. there are going to be seven teams in the NFL uh, playoffs this upcoming season, when you look at the NFC as a whole, you yep. look at the NFC East, that is the definition of mediocrity, and there will not be two teams that make it from the NFC East. You look at the NFC North, the Vikings, I would say, are probably going to be a wild card this year, whether they're going to be good with Cousins or not. Chicago's, wow, Mitch Trubisky is garbage. Uh, they brought in Nick Foles to get in competition. Uh, Green Bay will probably be good. Um, and yeah, and then the NFC West is your uh, really the other division that's going to give competition for getting multiple teams into the playoffs uh, with Seattle and the 49ers and maybe the Cardinals this season now that they have uh, DeAndre Hopkins. So with that, I originally, if it was just going to be three teams and me forgetting that there is a seventh team, I was going to say either triple or home run. I'm I'm in between triple and double, but I'm leaning towards double. Obviously, I'm in solid double territory. I was stroked by a single. All right. Fine. I think that's worth right. way more than a double, but I, I don't know. Uh, can you can you try and get me off the double? If you can argue me off the double, I'll yeah, right. So basically, I just need to argue that they're going to be two teams that aren't going to win division. That there are going to be two other divisions. That there are going to be two teams better than the Falcons. Okay, Vikings, Packers, 49ers, Seahawks. All are going to have a better chance to make the playoffs than the Falcons. That should be all the argument that I need. Double. I don't think the Vikings are going to be that good. Well, they're still... Uh, they, they lost so many uh, pieces on You think defense. the Falcons are going to be better than the Vikings? It, I feel like it's a toss-up between the Falcons, the Vikings, and the Falcons and the Vikings, I guess. We'll just boil it down to those. Because those are probably going to be the teams that would be battling for that final, final spot. I mean... I... I think I deserve more than a double, but I'm not going to sway you. I take it. So I see where you're coming from. I just, I'm just having a hard time saying it's more than a double. But plus, there's technically no guarantee that there's going to be seven playoff teams in each league this year. It's just presumed, not official. Oh, that is true. Crap. I didn't think about that. That's probably going to happen, though, right? Like, it's assumed, I, but it's I can't. not official. I'm going to yeah. give him a triple. What? Why, why did this way? That's crap. Because if there's only six teams, it's it's virtually impossible. Yeah, with three teams from. Yeah, one I know, to, but to, I don't think it's off. going to be. I mean, I I took that into consideration again, and I still landed back at a double. I don't know how you're landing there, but I I'm overriding you and giving him a triple. Yeah. All right. I mean, I'm not gonna argue against it that hard. Because right, I was like, I was like, smack dab in the middle between double and triple leaning towards double and that adding that little caveat in there. Pushed I got a little caveat now about that. I'll, I'll, that's fine. I, I am mad about it. I do have a prediction put up on the board though. Man, this episode, sure. we got a long run time. The Iowa state men's basketball team will make the NCAA tournament. So we're assuming one, our basketball team can play basketball and two, there will actually be an NCAA tournament. That that's it. I mean, there so, will be an NCAA tournament. I don't know. I don't know. COVID twenty. 
I'm thinking home run. Home run. I mean, it's probably going to happen, so. If Halliburton comes back, though. If Halliburton yeah. comes back, triple. I mean, but we can't conditionalize it. We have to yeah. make it based on the information we know now, so it's a home run, in my opinion. I would, all right, no doubt, no debate there. And also, Mike, in reference to the talk about the Jets, uh, the last time or the last time that they made a deep run in the postseason was 2010 when they went 11 and five and they lost in the conference championship game. Yeah, I told you they made the FC championship game sometime in the last 10 years or so. They actually made it in back to back years in 09 and 2000. Yeah, I was right. Let's go. Yeah, and let's go. Do we have was, any? Who uh, was their head coach from? Uh, Rex Ryan. Yeah, he got it. All right. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> what were you saying, what? <laughs> I was trying to see if we had anything from Josh this week. Uh, I, did, <laughs> I did hear from Josh. He is doing okay. He is still alive and healthy, but Good. he said he does not have a uh, prediction this week. So That's fair, and he's not here, so we can't bullying, bully him into making one. So uh, with that, all of our write-that-down predictions up on the board – Look at that inflection. I think it is time to end that segment of the episode, which means we are at the end of the episode. And I know I said this was going to be a short episode at the beginning, but it turned out to be a normal length episode. So that's very nice. Uh, yeah, check out Instagram at 8311cast and our website, 8311cast.fireside.fm. Drop us a line there, slash contact. What up? Bam. Feel like Emerald. Bam, 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 bam. Signing off for the 8311cast. We have your hosts. Kyle Mersh. Mike Ludwig. And White Tooth. Bam. Talk to you next week. Bam, go Cyclones. Bam, dab, 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 go Cyclones. Go Cyclones!